Aloha. Aloha. Which is to share the breath of life. Love. It also means thank you. It also means goodbye. Aloha. The way that the ancient Hawaiians used to greet each other would be they would go up to each other, forehead to forehead, staring at each other's straight dead in the face and the eyes. Both have one of their arms or hands around the other's neck. And they take a deep breath in. Very intimate. Very, very intimate. And that was the way. That was how you said hello or goodbye. To me, that's a very spiritual thing. You face the other person. Eye to eye. Nowadays, we barely shake hands. <laughs> How's that? I think it says a lot, too. I think it says a lot for how we treat our relationships. And how we deem ourselves in them. I know you've probably seen that movie uh, Lilo and Stitch, right? Ohana means family. Well, Hana means to work. See, in Hawaii, the family works together. And everybody in Hawaii was family. A stranger on the street, you would call them cousin or auntie or uncle or brother or sister. It's family. And what we say about everybody else, in a somewhat racist way, I guess, <laughs> is, um, oh, they don't, got, they don't get aloha, that's why. You know, they don't know how to have aloha. And, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to not speak too much Hawaiian pigeon because I know nobody will understand me. Basically, we say that other people they don't have aloha. Funny how we say that, right? You know, basically what we're saying is they don't have the spirit of aloha, the love, the respect, the understanding. It's uh, authentic, really. You know, you live over there. You don't lock your door over there. That's fear. That's that's what they do on the mainland. Over here, you lock your door. <laughs> in California, you lock your door. I know. I've had a home invasion before. It is not fun. I went and grabbed my nunchucks. Ended up getting assault with the deadly for that. But um, I was never tried. So technically, it's not on my record. And it would have been really funny if they went and uh, brought me into court. But they never did. I spent six days in jail on a 72-hour hold, if that makes any sense to you. And I went up, and I was like, hey, you know what, you guys? I'm not supposed to be here. You know, it's been six days for a 72-hour hold. You know, I didn't get tried. I didn't see no trial. 
And I was protecting my family from a home invasion. How's that for the law enforcement? You know, I think it's really, really horrible nowadays. If anything, we should definitely focus on our law enforcement. I don't mean punishment in the same sense that everybody is trying to do, because obviously the punishment system doesn't exactly work, does it? No, we need to heal the issue. There's a psychological issue that's at play, and that needs to be addressed. If we do not address it, then that means we accept the things the way they are, and we choose the things that happen. You know, if you know the outcome of a thing, then that, and then you choose the the uh, the instigator, and you choose the spark of it, then you ignite it. And that's choice. I think a lot of things in our relationships nowadays comes down to a weird dynamic. I was talking to my friend last night about it, and, um, you know, we both put it down to pretty much the same thing. And... It's like a, a power play. Not a power play exactly, but like a, um, you know, it's an ego play in relationships. It's true that we want to be treated with respect. It's also true that disrespect can come in many different forms that are really all made up, you know, uh, normalities, quote unquote, to us. So we don't always know, we, you know. People are from different upbringings and different cultures. And we've all had different paths. But I believe that there are <clears throat> fundamental things, excuse me, and these fundamental things, they're universal. And I think I'll talk a little bit about that today. And what, is, what gives me the right huh, to talk about relationships? Man, I am the most Libra there ever was. No, no, not there ever was. But I'm heck of Libra. I got my son Libra, seventh house, uh, Mars, seventh house, Venus Libra, South Node Libra. Um, I think my best, uh, I got all kinds of things in my, I got a stellium in my Libra, and that's my sun sign and my South Node, which makes it tough. The South Node is basically the tail of the dragon, the path, the uh, destiny, right? So it means that I'm bringing forth that energy of Libra. I am not to go and be that, you know, in this life. I'm, I'm bringing it forth to, towards the north node, the first house. Uh, for me, it's Aries, which is tough. And I am bringing the wisdom of it, of that sign through my past lives here in the incarnation, which means that and go ahead and look it up. Save the same thing everywhere you go. Well, besides a couple places. That means that I've had a lot of lives where I've had a lot of functioning and successful relationships. And the love from those relationships shines through me. And I give that to others. Now, I don't say give as though a thing is taken from me or a thing uh, leaves me. As Muji puts it, I can have all my love and I can have all my knowledge and I can give all my love and I can give all my knowledge and I still have all my love and all my knowledge. And that's the beauty about it. 
is because you can provide from those things and they don't they don't end you know they don't uh you don't you don't waste energy you don't um lose energy it just gives it just provides which is a funny thing because nowadays we have it in this context especially in spiritual groups this ideology that goes like oh you know i have my energy and i give my energy away sure you know that's that's a thing uh but if it's love i beg to differ and if it's not, then maybe consider giving love. I think sometimes it's the most simplest thing. And we don't consider how it's really our only our pride that gets in the way, only our ego. To give love is natural. To give love is harmonic. To give love is holy. And we give ourselves all of the excuses not to. Yet there was a time... When all of us were of that, were that. And we go back to it every now and then. We go back to it in our romance, in our relationships, uh, through our family members. And it's a bond. It strengthens everything. It strengthens the unity. It strengthens the trust. It strengthens the, the life of the person. It strengthens their morale. It strengthens their uh, mental capabilities, actually. It strengthens the uh, longevity. So to give love in any situation not only heals the other person, But it heals the world. Even just to give love to one person. Even just to be kind to one person. So in the actions that we take upon the world, we can clearly see where our ideals are set. Now I understand there's dynamics. It's hard. It's not always the easiest thing to do. To give love. Because we haven't exactly been taught. We haven't exactly... Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Because we've been taught conditionings that are contradictory. We've been conditioned to value things that are fake and plastic. Literally plastic. We've been, we've been programmed to value plastic. Now, plastic, if you didn't know, and here's a huge one for you, has caused probably um, at least the near extinction of humanity through bisphenol A and phthalates, which have been, they're two chemicals that have been in plastic, and especially plastic containers like bottles, uh, IV, Containers, right? You know those packets that they put, uh, they got the needle and they put it in you in the fucking hospital and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, those have been having toxins in them this whole time. Guess what? 99 point something percent of all males have 99 percent less 
or something like that. It was not, not, I, I'm going to loosely quote here, and I'm going to be strict about that because I like to give citation. I'll probably put a link later. But uh, um, less sperm count than their fathers, and the same from them from their fathers. So it's a huge, you know, huge decimal, like way down the line. Um, nowadays, we barely have any semen. And when we are even able to conceive in a relationship, or maybe even not, hopefully it's in a relationship. Well, then there's a good chance that the baby is going to be female. That's because the Y chromosome is a lot smaller and a lot weaker. It's from a documentary called The Disappearing Male. And it's completely uh, fact-based and really, really creepy, you know, in the sense that it's so real. It's so obvious in our lives, in, our, in our, uh, the way that we handle ourselves, the way that we ignore specifically the things that we should look at. These things are reflective. The relationship that we have with anything, with, to ourselves even, reflects the relationship that we have with everything down the line. Now, of course, I have the hardest time, and I'm going to say this, like, uh, I'm, I'm the baby here, and you guys are my teacher here, because I don't know, I don't understand the concept of self or identity. Uh, South Node Libra here, you know, I don't think I'm using my chart as an excuse, my astrology chart just points to the things that I already were. I have a hard time perceiving identity. I guess you could call it an identity crisis. I don't know. I feel pretty sane <laughs> for the most part. But well, I've I've uh, I've had so much experiences in life and I've changed a million ways. I've been Different. Um, I've done different actions in different courses of life that, you know, have been both uh, a virtue and both and of sin. You know, I've, I've I've experienced so much, and it's hard to define the me. Like, who is the me? If I get insulted, who is the I that is insulted? Where does it hurt within me, and why? You know. A lot of it has to do with um, associations, right? Images and imagery that we've imagined upon ourselves. You know, that becomes the same loose canon that really is evil. It's evil because when we have it as a, a finger pointing at somebody else, we're inherently saying, I'm going to gamble with punishing the innocent. And how many times have we been wrong? I like to believe every time. Because in every time that we have an argument or a dispute, every time that we have a fight, right, we're painting a picture of the other person as evil in our head and bad or stupid or this or that or any kind of name you want to put, right? We're painting a picture and saying, that's them. When inherently, we only attack when we're hurt. So we're ignoring the fact that they're hurt. 
Now, if they're hurt about something, and they're basically acting tough, trying to cover it up, which is what we always do, right? We try to cover up that we're hurt by lying. The lie is the aggression, the hate, the spite. But the fact is, is that we're hurt and we're trying to be heard. All of it can really be seen as an effort to get the other person to listen, to empathize. And what happens if you don't listen? They get louder and more aggressive. What happens if you argue them? They argue back and get more aggressive. Have you ever tried just loving? Listening? Let them say what they want to say. It can't hurt you. Yeah, sure. It takes strength. Jesus showed that. I don't care if uh, anybody believes it was a comic book or a fact or fiction or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant what anybody thinks about the Bible because the storyline itself speaks of a universal truth. Now, if I made up the story, it still would be speaking of a universal truth. It's easy to hate. It's easy to blame. It's hard to give love when you're under attack. It's hard to give love and forgiveness when you're being persecuted, right? That means it takes strength to do that. Now, whether anybody says what or what not about the Bible, <laughs> I like to say it's, it's irrelevant. They're not looking at the more emotional wisdom perspective of it. So they're not gaining any wisdom from it. It's a denial, you know, uh, emotional denial, really. The lack of empathizing, lack of uh, being able to em empathize with Jesus. That's the way I put it. I put it that Jesus did not want to die. The sacrifice becomes in vain if we don't learn the lesson that he was trying to show. The lesson could be said to be something else. But I believe that what I had just said about the aspects, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty um, universal. It's, uh, it's, it's straight in everybody's face. And in respect to Occam's razor, I think it has to be looked at. I think we have to consider that fact and rearrange the way that we value things such as the value of uh, aggression is strong. Actually, it's cowardice. It's weak. Sure, there's circumstances, I guess, right? You know, if you are enslaved, then you're going to have to be aggressive to escape that enslavement. So there's dynamics of it. It's not linear. A lot of the uh, debates that I've been in, it seemed, they seem to think uh, the opposite end would usually think that, okay, um, good is good and bad is bad. So if a thing feels good, then it's good. And the thing feels bad, then it's bad. And I would say that is the course towards like being a addict on the streets or something like 
No, not necessarily. There's dynamics. It's not linear. You can't consider a thing um, just from your perspective alone, especially if you're just going off of a linear perspective. There's dynamics. You're going to hit walls, and then you're going to blame other people for it if you're, if you're thinking in that concept. You know? And the blame game. It's a tough one to get out of, isn't it? Because we do not want to look and see ourselves by default. We hold on to our egotistical values and we don't look at ourselves. When inherently, to find out that you are wrong in something is to ascend to a higher awareness. Like all you do is you you, you feel a little bit of shame and then you grow and you learn. It's a very powerful thing. And I think we all could benefit from it. If we just have the faith. And if we just humble ourselves to being wrong. A lot of our emotional and relationship issues would be solved. What is up, Sean here, and you are listening to SAS, that's 
star seeds, angels, savant syndrome. And what about star seeds and what about angels and what about savant syndrome? Well, we find ourselves in the age of Aquarius. Now, there's a lot of debate about when it started and whatnot. And uh, there's even some debate if we're even in it. But a hundred years ago, there were certain prophets. Yeah, that's right. As little as a hundred, less than a hundred even. I'm just, you know, giving a range there. But... There were certain prophets that talked about this age. They talked about it being an age when, well, to quote Edgar Cayce's uh, version, the angels would come down, descend to man, and the beings of the lower realm would rise up to the realm of man. And the angels and the beings of the lower realms would fight and war for a thousand years over the domain of man. And in the very beginning of it, they would cover the earth in a shield so there's no ins or outs. Now from what I've gotten from the gist of it, there actually are ins and outs. And I would guess that that would be uh, what have been termed the um, protected by the gatekeepers. Which is funny because prior uh, to the years, I remember when I was a kid growing up, the gatekeepers meant something else. It meant something uh, to the negative aspect. It, it meant something about those who were basically, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, like working for the Illuminati or whatnot. You remember those like fear-based uh, concepts, right? The paranoid, um, illusional mind frame. There's still some people like that out there. I try to keep a healthy dose of faith in humanity and faith in people. Because I find that as we have the the pointing outwards and saying they're evil, well, in history we've come to see that that's really been um, really evil of humanity to do. Like, for instance, the witch trials. For instance, um, a lot of the wars that we've had. Um, for instance. A lot of stuff, okay. You know, <laughs> if you look, just look at anything through history that has been like the accusation of somebody else as being quote unquote uh, evil. It's usually the ones pointing who end up committing the evil acts. And they're usually against people that were very peaceful and kind and loving. One of my mentors even put it that way when talking about witches in general. She said, well, look at the light workers. What did, they, what did they have? What did they do in history? All the people of quote-unquote light have done the most massive horrific things in history. 
And then when you look at the uh, the witches, you know, the earthly um, Gaia-loving type, well, they like to stick to themselves. They like to live at home and have cats and don't bother nobody. That's a pretty general thing, right? You know? It's funny how that works. Talking to my friend last night, we were talking about how much we don't like the term narcissism or narcissist. Because it's a very... These days it's thrown around in an aspect that people aren't really... Well, we're not seeing how as we cast that out and claim somebody is that, generally we're being that. We're the ones being that. You know? The lack of the empathy. The self-centeredness. The self-centeredness in that we think that we are the ones that are right as we don't listen. A huge part and love is faith. Faith can go the whole way. All the way. The empathy. The connection. The commitment, dedication, the trust. Blind faith, too. Now, blind faith is a miracle. It's a self-sacrifice to have blind faith. To take a leap ahead, in front, into the dark, is to be the light. Now let's say you have an argument or dispute with your loved one, and you've been arguing for some time, and you want it to stop. Your heart hurts because you miss how it was before. You miss the trust. And you hear the thought in your head thinking that I'll never be there again. It'll never work again. It'll, you know, that'll never be there again. Right. Now that's just a thought. I would go to say if consciousness is an ocean and all connected and a realm in of itself, then who's to say it's even your thought? Who's to say it's valuable at all? Throw it away. Choose to have faith. Choose the thought. Maybe they will. Maybe I'm wrong. Isn't it worth it? Isn't it much more worth it to try for something positive than to possibly condemn the innocent? What I mean by condemn the innocent is you to not do that, you know, to, to instill the, the thought that, oh, you know, I know how they'll react. I know how this is this, and this is going to happen like this because uh, because I know it will. Well, that's really presumptuous. It's kind of evil. Because the fact is, you don't know. Maybe they're feeling the same way that you feel. I like to believe it's generally the case. There's a quote one of my mentors taught me, and um, I didn't know what it meant, 
but as it stuck with me, because I didn't like it at first, you know, but as, as it stuck with me, it kept unfolding different realizations. And the quote goes like this, irony is the face of God. See, with that, you have a tool, kind of like Excalibur. You got to be worthy to hold it. Otherwise, it's a two-edged sword, you know? It's going to cut the other way. You see, the sword is of the... Sword is of air. In tarot. Sword is of the thought, the mentality. Um, that's why it's a double-edged sword. Because we have the duality spectrum of the good versus bad. The authenticity versus and, and humbling of the self versus uh, hypocrisy. And um, ego. And we find that as we humble ourselves to anything, simultaneously, the other side of any aspect that we're facing, well, it 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 it'll it'll react. It it'll have a irony, you know. Now that doesn't mean that the other side will humble itself too. No. That's not the point. But if you humble yourself, then life comes around to bring you that um, fairness, the bliss that's deserved. Every cloud has a silver lining, right? Actually, you can see this silver lining and you can see the split right throughout the Bible. You can even see the cognitive uh, denial and dissonance at where it started. And it started with Adam. But before that, especially in the Kabbalah, uh, and even in the Hawaiian Kumulipo, which is the oldest chant, the creation chant story, it's all duality in equality, in fair equality. You know? God was in the void, and he said, let there be light. He split the waters from above, from the waters from below, in the Kabbalah version. And he called the middle ground heaven. See, to see balance is to see truth. And you can see the balance in everything if you so choose. The balance is the irony. The balance is the humor. God has a sense of humor, after all. And we can too. When you choose to see the humor in things, you awaken to a part of life and the world around you that's hidden. You see that a person is blaming you from an ironic part within them. Because all they're trying to do is really get you to empathize with them. So the projection of the emotion is one that's a thing that's trying to be 
put onto you so that way you can hear. You know, if you see it to begin with, then there's no need for any uh, part of you to feel insulted or uh, upset at all. There's understanding. In every case of the matter, in every single case of the matter. Now that's an ironic thing, isn't it? Because that means that in every wrongdoing or sin, every time we judge or blame upon that, we inherently are not understanding it. And if we don't understand it, then that gives us pretty much... Uh, it takes away our, our, our right to judge or believe that we know anything about them or the um, truth. In fact, usually it's, well, I guess I, I, I shouldn't say usually, but I'm going to say usually to be polite. That usually it's in uh, our own hypocrisy, our own ironies. See, if we want love, then we should give it. If we want faith, then have faith. Now, that does not mean that it's going to come right back around to you exactly mirrored, um, exactly on time. But it's the only way. You see, the thing is, we do all have free will. So when we provide the opportunity for others to do as we do, then we sacrifice ourselves a bit. We become that Christ up on our own cross to show them that we can choose to give love while being under attack because we know and we feel what's right is love. And it can hurt us, and it will probably hurt us, yeah. And what will happen? If they have the awareness, and we will hope and pray that they do, to see what's going on, to see us in that moment. Authentic, hurting for them. then they'd truly feel shame. Now that should not be a thing that's imposed on each other because we, we it can't be, right? We try to make each other feel ashamed and it doesn't exactly work. The punishment game is... Uh, the punishment to punish is to basically try to earn the justification for the original sin or mess up or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> it's basically to say, oh, I didn't deserve this or you should have never done that, but I'm going to make it so that way you should have done it. And then we still try to blame them afterwards. Like it's uh, you know, something that you punish somebody forever for. Now that's hell. That is wrong. Do you want to create a world of hell? Because that sounds like like Demons, that sounds demonic. That sounds like hell. If you 
want to live in hell, uh, by all means, go to hell. <laughs> but, I mean, if you don't want hell on earth, then you kind of have to choose the things that allow others to live in heaven as well. Now, I know we were all given unconditional love, and it's always there. But I would say there's a thing we're all forgetting. Because if we can't give unconditional love, no conditions, what makes you think that we deserve it? What makes you think that you deserve it? You can't give it. Now, the thing is, is that this is a very important thing that we, we all internalize because it's truly only ourselves that are denying ourselves from receiving it, right? So when we see that of ourselves, that we're not accepting that we're loved because we subconsciously feel like we don't deserve it. Well, then we can allow ourselves to give that love by choice, by realizing the thing and then choosing love. And as we give it and understand the aspects of it from experience in this life, because we've done it before, you know, we've, we've taken our fair share of um, sacrifices. Well, as we give it, we harmonically internalize with the subconscious, what it's like to receive it. We also gain the patience to accept when it's not given. Because we have to be patient. Love is a gift. It can't be bartered for. You cannot be indebted to give love. That's not how love works person doesn't owe love. Love is a gift. Now, gift is a gift when it's freely given. A trade is a trade as it's decided beforehand between two parties or more. Now, if it's not a gift and it's not a trade, then it's a trick. And that's where the conditions lie and conditional love.
I want to thank you for listening in. Thank you for your support. Please like, subscribe, share it. This and pretty much all that I do is under Kapuhuna. If you don't know what Kapuhuna is, Google it and then add me on anything, wherever it is, social media, on anything. If you got that social media platform, so do I. And look for me there. Same name everywhere, Kapuhuna. Kapuhuna, Kapuhuna, Kapuhuna. That's right. K-A-P-U-H-U-N-A. Kapuhuna. Well, I got a session coming up in a little less than an hour. I've been having a meditation session. It's a, it's a reprogramming of my subconscious. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. I'll have to do an episode about it sometime. But I think I'm in my fifth or sixth session Um yeah, I think it's some something like that, on that number. And it's really exciting stuff. It's really cool. Well, I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you for listening. Are you hungry for the usual today? Or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville Hot Brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville Hot Seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw, served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville Hot Brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. Texting enrolls you into reoccurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Come on, one more rep. You got this. Uh, Ten. There it is. Nice work, man. You're a beast. Thanks, man. I feel better than I have in years. And I got to tell you, taking Nugenics makes a huge difference for me. Nugenics? That's the uh, testosterone booster with TV ads with Frank Thomas. The big hurt, right? Oh, yeah. This is a legit product. The key ingredient is Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone levels and increase lean muscle mass. Well, it's clearly working for you. Hey, are they still giving out complimentary bottles for people to try for themselves? Yeah, Nugenics is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. Man, I need to get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. No problem. You just got to send them a text. Text BODY to 42424 right now for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Nugenics samples are not available in stores, so text BODY to 42424 right now. Text BODY to 42424. That's BODY to 42424.